to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. And today we have a special podcast, which is brought to you by our sponsor, Yes Pallets. Yes Pallets is the pallet removal, waste removal, and recycling removal company that places risk mitigation, OSHA compliance, and customer-obsessed service first. They can upscale at a moment's notice and remove barriers to provide you with a safe and clean work environment. Why is this podcast so special? Well, I am glad you asked. How many of you have kids or family members that do things which make you so proud? They reach a level of success and you just sit back and say, that's my boy or that's my girl. Well, this isn't one of my kids, but he is definitely one of my brothers. When Drake says, started from the bottom, now we're here. That's the feeling I get because I watched this young man grind since college and now he is here. The new athletic director and head football coach at St. Augustine's University, or if you're in the Midwest, St. Augustine's, Coach David Bowser joins the program to share his story and his vision for the university. So to all my listeners, I am shamelessly begging you now to listen and help donate to this worthy cause. I'm excited. And I could talk all day about this young man, but enough of me. Hey, thank you for listening to the podcast and make sure you're following the podcast on social media. You can follow the Chris Williams podcast hour on both IG and Twitter at the Chris Will pod and on Facebook. It's simply the Chris Williams podcast hour. As I said before, and I will say it again, all of our podcasts are good. So enjoy the content you're familiar with and try the unknown. You will learn something. And more importantly, you'll get hooked. Once again, thank you for listening and enjoy this special podcast. This is the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. It's all good, baby, baby. Uh, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Slipping on private stock way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The hard, the hard. You never thought that hip hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight cause I rhyme tight Time to get paid, blow up like the world's trade Born sinner, the opposite of a winner Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid Capri Funk, Master Flex, Love Bug, Star Scheme I'm blowing up like you thought I would Call a crib, same number, same hood It's all good uh. And if you don't know, now you know Welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour And today... I have a very special podcast and podcast guest, my former teammate at NC State and now one of the most tenured college football coaches and after a highly successful high school coaching career and 20 years at Fayetteville State University, he is looking to help the Falcons of St. Augustine University soar to new heights. He has a vision, determination, and a plan. And as he told me, and I quote, they, St. Augs, will not be stopped. Please help me welcome to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour a special guest and the man leading the charge, the athletic director 
and head football coach at St. Augustine's University, Coach David Bowser. Coach Bowser, welcome to the podcast. What's going on, brother? I appreciate you, man. So you, you gave me goosebumps. I was waiting to see who else was going to be on here with us the way you were describing that person, man. I really appreciate it, brother. Well-deserved. Well-deserved intro, Dave. So I, I appreciate you coming on, and I will try to remember to call you Coach David Bowser. So yeah, I know you sometimes you call me Dave. We <laughs> go way back. You used to call me Dave, so I understand all right, yeah, but again, good, brother. Good. And, David, again, welcome to the podcast. And, you know, thank you for coming on to share your story, some memories, and your incredible journey. But as I tell all my guests, this podcast does not work unless you share your stories and you shamelessly plug yourself and what you want to get accomplished. So fair enough? Yes, sir. Fair enough, brother. All right, let's kick this thing off with this. Let's start with your story. So for listeners who aren't familiar with your story, please share where you're from, what high school you attended, you know, the sports you played, and also at some point we'll get into how you ended up attending and becoming my teammate at NC State. All right. Well, I I was blessed uh, to be born in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, My parents, uh, Terry and Gladys Bowser, um, Great people, man. Um, they were just awesome as far as instilling in my brothers and sisters about, one, they, they instilled to have faith in God, uh, to believe in ourselves. And they they made a lot of sacrifices along the way, uh, Chris. We we grew up on the west side of Charlotte, and our, our parents believed in education also. So, you know, they made decisions uh, when we were young that, that they were going to invest in education. They felt like that was important. Uh, for us to have an opportunity, because neither neither one of my parents went to college, so but they knew that in order to have the opportunities, they felt like it was important that you get an education and go to college. But uh, the high school that I went to was uh, Charlotte Catholic High School, and I just recently, matter of fact, within the last two weeks, uh, my uh, high school coach Jim Odo uh, passed away, and uh, Coach Odo was was somebody that when I met him in the ninth grade. Um, and we came out there for the very first time with practice. I'll, I'll never forget because I, I had gone to basketball camp at Winthrop College, so I missed the first week, but the coach was still good to uh, to let me come out. So I was about a week behind everybody when I when I first got there, and the biggest thing that I noticed was he was a gentleman that could command his group and he could command his team, and it wasn't in a negative way, but it was like when he spoke, you could feel it. I mean, you knew that everybody that was around him believed in what he was saying. So I always uh, love that because there's something about it, as you know, and anybody that's participated in sports, there's always those moments where you need to know that the person believes in you and you want to know because that person believes in you, you're going to be able to give them more and you're going to want to give them more. And so I really love that that coach instilled in us a confidence that we believed what he was asking us to do and we wanted to do it at a successful level. Uh, I also I played basketball in high school and, you know, really enjoyed it. It was more of the camaraderie and the chance to be around the team and, and also ran track. Um, you know, and it, it was just like, you know, the full high school experience, things that I think are lost now 
because everybody emphasizes uh, individual specialization. You know, you see guys, they're great athletes, but they're so centered on playing one sport instead of enjoying the experience. And I appreciate the fact that where I went to school, they, they didn't mind you being a multi-sport athlete because, you know, you never know when and where you're going to peak in certain areas, but also it's, it's just also it's good for your social to be able to connect in different ways, and it, and it keeps you active. So I, I've always been a firm believer in multiple sports. And so that's kind of uh, what, it, what it was like there. Uh, I'll always be honest with people. Uh, I wasn't a focused student like I needed to be uh, because my mind and my dream was, well, I'm just trying to, you know, play sports and see where that takes me. And, and then all of a sudden, Chris, it, it was the craziest thing. My, uh, my junior year in high school, we had, we had just lost in the uh, playoffs. And my mom was really worried because, you know, she was a, she was a, a down-the-road thinker, and she was like, well, he's not doing what he needs to do academically. And she was worried, well, he's not going to have the option to go to college because he's not focused on that. And what I thought was going to be a devastating experience may have wound up being one of the best things to ever happen to me to teach you about adversity was I got cut from the basketball team my junior year. Now, having been on the team my freshman and sophomore year, and we come out of uh, the football playoffs, I just knew. I was like, man, I know I'm going to make the team. And I wound up getting cut. But I tell you what it did, Chris, it, it helped me more than you'd ever know. Um, you know, people always talk about sometimes uh, failures leading to success. And getting cut, it made me refocus on my academics. It, it made me slow down a little bit and be more conscious of the things around me. And my grades improved. I challenged myself in the classroom, and, and I took some classes uh, going into my senior year when most people are trying to lay back and just relax. I challenged myself academically finally, and it was a great experience and a great learning tool because what it let me know was that, you know, I had been cheating myself because I wasn't applying myself as a total person. And I always talk to, to my kids and, and players about the fact of how important it is that you have your social together, that you have your academics together, and that you have your athletic together. I said because they're all blended together. You, if one is off, the other two are going to be off. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If you're walking around and, and mentally, socially, you're not in good, good mental shape, you're not going to be able to perform academically and athletically like you need to. And so – the one thing that I try to encourage them is find that balance, man. And if you can't find the balance, find somebody that can help you get, get your bearings back about you. And so I always remember that Miss um, Mary Jane Dawson, she was a counselor at the high school, and she got me involved in some things, and that really helped me to refocus and recalibrate and understand the importance of what my parents were trying to instill in us. And so gratefully and thankfully, man, uh, by my senior year, I was able to put myself in a position to be able um, to go to college. And it was, it was tough, man, because really at first, um, because I had put myself behind the eight ball, I didn't initially get accepted into NC State. And that thing really bothered me because I knew that's where I wanted to go. Hence goes back to Coach Odo. I fell in love with NC State um, because Coach Odo, being my, my high school coach, he had played at NC State, and he was a great offensive lineman there. And, you know, he, he took us to a couple of games when we were in high school. So at that point, man, and then practically the year before, my freshman year in high school, 
was right about the time State had just won the uh, national championship in basketball. So, you know, it really disappointed me um, when I didn't get accepted because then I was like, well, what am I going to do? And lo and behold, uh, probably about two months after being denied, uh, I was accepted into NC State, and it was from uh, Thomas Conway. And you knew him, and we knew him as Mr. Thomas Conway. Great man. Um, Passed away about a year and a half ago. And they had a program there, and it was called a university transition program. And so what it did was, you know, we always called it UTP. And um, Mm -hmm. basically what it was, you came in and you did a summer bridge program where it helped you uh, get acclimated to going to college. And so uh, Mr. Conway um, basically – when we got there, he became, you know, your mentor, your advisor. You know, he was the one overseeing the program. And we had all these, these other people that were helping us. And what I'll never forget is he had me in his office one day. And so he was, he was just talking to me, and he was asking me, you know, personal-type questions that applied to my success. And he said, you know, has anybody in your family ever graduated from college? And I told him, no, sir, not in my immediate family. He said, anybody gone to college? And I told him, yes, I I had some siblings that had gone to school, but they didn't finish and things like that. And so he started talking about how hard that it typically is for students at NC State to graduate in four years. And so I'm at first thinking, well, is he telling me this because he wants me to know maybe I'm not going to be here long? And it was the total opposite. What he told me was, he said, you should set a goal that you graduate from here in four years. He said, what you come to college to do is to graduate. So when he put it in that perspective, Chris, all of a sudden, my whole mindset changed. And and so it was like I immersed myself in everything about college that you had to do in order to – to be able to graduate, and I, and I, and I thank God because I entered in the summer of '88, and I finished in the summer of '92. And so it was at Mr. Conway. I thank him for that because when I went there, you know, you always got the speeches, and I think people have heard them. They'll say in that big room, "Look to your left, look to the right. One of y'all not going to make it. One out of three, this and that." You know, they're always telling you the negative aspect of what's going to happen. But what Mr. Conway did was he just sat me in there. It was one-on-one, and he asked me about me, and he put the challenge back on me. He put the onus on me to, to want to graduate and, 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 and see what could happen. And so in the midst of that, after, you know, having gone through all the things and, and, and everything, and then you get there and, um, you know, Buddy Green, Dick Sheridan, Coach Joe Pate, you know, Coach Robinson, I could go on, man. You just talking about, you know, great men that embraced us and allowed us, um, one, to, you know, to grow, and, and, and they were there for us. It was awesome. But the one thing I tell people that touches me the most about my four years there is the relationships and the times that we all spent with one another where, you know, you guys that, you know, y'all, you, you, I mean, it was just like you couldn't ask for anything more in a period of time when you're developing and growing as an individual to meet people who have genuine good hearts towards one another. And I, I felt like that was a part of why we were successful is because we enjoyed one another and we cared about each other. And, and not only, you know, just making sure 
that we were successful, you know, from an athletic standpoint. But you know, man, sometimes those summers when you're trying to eat and all those things, man, it wasn't easy. But we all pulled together and we and we made things work, man. And I and I think that's a a, a big plus in how we grow and develop. So North Carolina State, though I don't like at this point in my life because I've, I've moved on to other things, you know, to to make it the be all, the be all. But the relationships that I gained and the the people like Thomas Conway, people like Coach Sheridan, Buddy Green, Joe Pate, Steve Robinson, and many others that were on those staffs, man, Coach Dick Porte, you know, those guys instill so much that I find myself sometimes in the coaching arena or being an administrator. I, I pull from what I've learned from, from those those good men that were in our lives along the way in our formative years. Okay. And, I, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. So, Yes, Looking sir. back at that amazing staff that we had at NC State, which coach had the biggest impact on you and your style, and and why? I'll, I'll say this, man. Probably, it's a, it's a split, and I and I'll say it this way: it's a split. Coach Sheridan's organization, attention to detail, structure, second to none. I mean, to me, he ran that program like a CEO, and I felt like that him, the way he ran the program, you, you, you knew where you were supposed to be. You know where was expected. You never felt like you were ill-prepared. I mean, I think that was awesome. Now, this one, man, Coach Buddy Green, you're talking about a people person, a motivator. I mean, one thing I, I loved about him was Coach Green had the ability to make you believe in yourself, and he had – a way of just, you know, he could just talk with you. And when you talk with him, man, you were just like, you know, you were enamored. Um, and, I, and I think that that's the one thing I do appreciate because I enjoy recruiting. I enjoy uh, getting to know the kids and their families. And I used to just sit back and say, man, when you make that person know and, and understand how important they are, it goes a long way. So it, it would be a split between, between the both of them. But, but never, never doubt, man, that Joe, that Joe Pate, man, he's right up there because Coach Pate could say some things to you that would just be <laughs> unbelievable, man. And you would sit back and you'd be like, he, but it was like unbelievable. I mean, he was, he was something. And, and I know we all, if we sat around, we all have like one of those Joe Pate phrases that just makes you laugh when you look back on it. But he also, I mean, like I said, that guy, hey, man, he, he could go. So I, I would say that, you know, Coach Sheridan with the organization, uh, Coach Green with the, with the way to recruit and, 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 and move people to emotion, and then, you know, Coach Pate, man, he was just special. I mean, that guy, man, he wasn't very big, but he was, he was powerful in all that he did, man, and he, and he did it the right way. And I always think back, Chris, you remember we would be coming down the hill, um, going to class, and Coach Pate would be out there on the intramural fields jogging, and he would have that clear plastic on, and it looked like he wasn't going very fast, man, but he was drenched in sweat, and he would be getting it in. I, I always remember yes. that uh, in the middle of the day, he got no matter how hot it was, he was going to get that run in, man. And uh, I remember those things like it was yesterday. Nice. That is nice. All right. All right, so, so Coach Sheridan, Coach Green, Coach Pake, they had the biggest impact on you. But when you first started coaching, what coach did you envision yourself as being, and what coach hey. did you actually become? <laughs> <laughs> I probably, 
I probably would say when I, when I started out, because I, I was over at Garner High School, and I probably was more like Coach Portee because, you know, he used to stay on you guys, man, and I and I kind of – I really did like that because it was like you could break a run for 30 yards and, and Coach Portee would be like, man, next time that should be 35 or 40 or did you step with this? Yeah. Did you use that? And, you know, it just – and so when I started out, man, I, I, I was kind of like that because it was like you, you, you wanted to be like, oh, man, I'm young. I'm trying to prove myself. And so I'm like, I'm on them, I'm on them, I'm on them. And then one day, Chris, I, I realized something, man. I said, you know what? <laughs> it's the engines that drive these cars, man. And once I figured that out, my approach <laughs> changed. I was like, you know what? I just got to get these engines cranked up, man. I got to get them motivated, make sure that they're prepared and they'll take care of the rest. And, and that's how it went, man. I, I figured that out, and I became a lot, what is, I, I'd say, a lot more calm because I'll never forget um, my mom came to one of my games one time. Now, she'd never seen me coach before, and I'm out there. I'm all over the place, and I'm, and then after the game, she just came up to me in her own little calm way, and she said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, why? <laughs> she said, you didn't look like yourself out there. I didn't know if you were okay or not. So it showed me, hey, man, I don't, I don't need all of that to, to get, you know, what we need to get done. And so um, I calmed down a lot, man. But, you know, you're 21 years old, and the guys you're coaching, they're only about four or five years younger than you at that much. And so you feel like right. you got to be on top of everything. And then I figured it out. Now, now that I've gotten a lot, a lot older or, or more seasoned, you know, I've, I've found the patience, and uh, and I think that that's what what I've grown from. But yeah, I was I was tilt, man, full tilt when I first got into it because I thought that's how it was supposed to be. And when I saw my mom's face, man, I I felt bad after the game because she thought maybe I was out there about to have a seizure or something. Because she was like, "You okay? You need some help or something?" And I said, "No, ma'am." And she said, "Okay." <laughs> so that's that's kind of how it rolled, bro. I love that. I love that. So, look, so looking back at your high school coaching days, so was there one thing you know you mentioned you know calm being calm, but is there one thing you wish you knew when you first started started out in coaching? I, I'll say this: when I first got into it, I, I wish that um, I had a better understanding of how kids' backgrounds and dynamics work. Um, and the reason why I say that is, Chris, that a lot of times people come from from different backgrounds, different demographics, different situations. You know, so in my in my initial coaching, you know, I kind of looked at everybody from the lens of me, and I felt like, okay, so everybody's got this, everybody should have this, everybody's situation is that. But what I started to find out is when you peel back the layers and you start talking to kids, there's some kids that come from two-parent homes. There's some kids that come from one-parent homes. There's some kids that are being raised by their grandparents. There's some kids that are raising their brothers and sisters. I mean, you could just go through. So now you're talking about how do you manage 35 to 40 different situations and make them fit? And I was very blessed because with my first job being at, at Garner High School, uh, Coach Hal Stewart, man, it was something about him and the way he was able to manage different kids' situations. And I mean, and what he did was he could he could sit there and tell you, hey, this is this kid's situation, okay? He could tell you that's this kid's situation. 
and that taught me a lot. But, you know, at first I, I never paid attention. That All I looked at was here this kid is, this kid's got these pads on, they got this helmet on, my job is to teach them how to do this. But by the time, you know, I spent those two and a half years at Garner with Coach Stewart, it helped me to see, no, you gotta you got to peel the layers back, man. you got to find out what these kids are dealing with. You know, sometimes – you know, flat out, kid may not have eaten the night before. You know, they they got to come to school because that breakfast is the meal that, that gets their day going. In the afternoon, right. if a kid's telling you, Coach, as soon as practice, oh, I got to go. You know, you want to stay around and do extra. Well, he's got the only key to the house, and his brothers and sisters are going to be home in a little bit, and he's got to let them in. And so that changed my whole perspective on things, and Coach Stewart was great with that, man. And And, I, and I'm telling you, as I, as I started to look at it, then I saw why Coach Green was such a great recruiter is because he probably was very good at peeling those layers back that he could understand people's dynamics and he would meet people where they needed to be met to make them feel comfortable. And I think that was something that initially getting into high school coaching, I wished I had known because a lot of times, you know, those those things don't – factor into it because you think you're looking for the end product, which is just the coaching. And and now I'm really more conscious. You know, sometimes uh, people will feel like, well, you know, they think this kid is, is, is getting certain things, and it's, it's like, no, they're not. But this kid needs this to be reinforced. They're still getting what they need. They're still being held accountable. But if you don't know, you have to be taught. If you know, then you should do. And, I, and that's how I look at it. I gauge it by I look at the situation, and from there I want to make the right decision in how to deal with it. I, I just believe in our society today um, people call it the, um, you know, where you just throw your hands up. We want the council, the council culture where you just want to counsel people. Mm, I, I'm, yes. not, I'm not believing in that. I, I still believe in accountability, but it doesn't mean that you counsel someone, that you write them off. I mean, you if you decide – that that person is worth investing in, then until that person gives up on themselves, we shouldn't give up on them, if that makes sense. That's, that's how I feel, is that, you know, I tell them all the time, I'm going to fight with you as long as you're willing to fight. But when you stop fighting, then what good does it do? Because now not only am I fighting your situation with you, but I'm fighting you. But as long as you're willing to fight to improve, do better, make the situation um, refined and, and improve and learn from it, I'll keep fighting with you. So I, I'm not, I just say that the biggest thing I wished I'd have known sooner was how to understand each individual for what they are and what their value is and, and, and go from there. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I've gained from this, Chris. Okay. Okay. Now, you were a successful high school coach. What led you to the college ranks? And talk a little bit about that transition. Well, I'll tell you what it really became was that um, I always, in my heart, wanted wanted to coach college. I mean, that was like I really wanted to do it, and I wanted the opportunity. I can remember when I was uh, was a kid, um, we used to go to college football games on Saturdays, and you could just look at it, and it was like, at first, it started out, you know, it was like, man, I just love the roar of the crowd, the smell of the food, and all the atmosphere. And I was like, man, this would be awesome. But I enjoy coaching high school, man. Friday nights are, are, are special. And, and Friday nights to me are pure because you got kids on that team that when high school's over, 
they're going to go to school or they're going to go to work, and they're going to hold on to those memories. So high school Friday nights are pure. I mean, it's just like it's football at its most simplest form. Outside of you being in the back seat playing Pop Warner when your feet can't touch the ground and they don't put the newspaper or the plastic in the back seat because they know you're going to be muddy and sweaty after the game. You know, that, yes. that, that, you can't beat that. But now when you get to college, yes. you know, the, the competitiveness of it, the fact that, you know, guys who, are, who have performed at a high level are competing with one another for that spot, it, it kind of gets, um, at times it can get tainted, but that's where it takes special people that can manage to keep the team concept, the idea of the oneness out front. And so when I started coaching at Hampton Sydney College, it was like the biggest things that I saw was different. Number one, I didn't have to teach six classes anymore, so that was a, a change. But the thing that I found out with college was that your days, I mean, your days changed, man, and they got long. And and when they got long, man, it was like, this is tough. So that was one of the biggest experiences. And then the other thing, too, is early on was the fact that you had to be on the road a lot because the kids weren't necessarily coming to you, so you got to go find them. And when you're in that mm-hmm. car and you got to drive, man, and you like – this is wild. I was like, this, this sometimes, man, I'm driving those back roads that drive all the way to, like, Mississippi or Alabama, and you're going to see, like, one kid, man. And I'm asking myself, <laughs> I, probably just passed, I probably just passed about 200 schools on the way, but the focus is you got to go see this one person, and you might make a few stops along the way. But I was like, man, I, I just, you know, I'd ask myself, like, this is what? And but it was like that's was that was what was a part of it. So the the hardest things to adjust to was one just that you spent the whole day and you did nothing but football pretty much. And then the fact that when you were out of season, you you just had you had to be gone. You had to be on the road, man. You had to go get it, and uh, and you couldn't come back empty-handed, and you couldn't come back uh, without some quality. And you know, so those things were probably the hardest things to adjust to, but. The thing that I do appreciate is the the time that I spent coaching high school and finally learning about um, dealing with the individual, it made Mm -hmm. um, college coaching more fun because now you get in the habit of understanding about peeling those layers back. And you can have those moments where you bring the guys in the office or you go by and see them or you may see them in the cab, and you can sit down and have those kind of talks that, that allows you to understand their demographic, where they're trying to get to. And, you know, you just try to stay consistent with what you're telling them. And, I, and the main thing that I, I stay consistent with is you got to take care of your social, you got to take care of your academics, you got to take care of your, your athletic part of it. You got to do your part in all those areas, and everything else takes care of itself. Um, because I, I want them to understand that, that education does open doors and it can change things. And they'll think a lot of them it's going to be the football. And I'm like, man, football is great. Football can do some things, but we're at a Division II school. This is an NFL factory. But I tell you what, um, there's a lot of five foot eight doctors out there. There's a lot of five foot eight lawyers out there. There's a lot of five foot eight successful people that you might not find in the NFL on a Sunday. So get that degree and, and give yourself some options. And, and that's kind of where I where I stand with, with, with from the change of, you know, what, what helped me in, in growing in the profession. That's beautiful. That is a 
great story, Dave. All right, so 20 years, 20 years. That's a lot of time on the road, as you said. <laughs> but you, you coached 20 years at Fayetteville State. Man, that's yeah. a long time at one place. So obviously you came from the Dick Portee School of Coaching. And for those that don't know Coach Portee, yeah. he was my running backs coach at NC State. And the guy literally coached football for 100 years, and he only had four <laughs> jobs and then yeah. one NFL job. And, and I exaggerate the 100 years, but he coached at Eastern Illinois, NC State, Fayetteville State, and Central. Then he coached the Browns yeah. in the NFL. But that's yeah. the true example of longevity and loyalty. Yeah. So I apply that to you. So talk about the 20 years at Fayetteville State and share some of the highlights. Well, I, I'm going to tell you, you, you give a great example, man. You, one thing about um, the, the Coach Portee uh, in, the, in the, the two years that was able to be there with him at State was he brought it, man, and, and I love that. And the thing about it, though, is he was passionate, and his passion was contagious for where he was at. You're, you're absolutely right, man. He, he, he gave that, and when he instilled it, man, I mean, he meant it. And, and so – the thing that was easy for me, um, Chris, with, 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 being, with being the fact that Fayetteville State being there for 20 years was that uh, Coach Portee and Coach Phillips, and Coach Phillips was the head coach that hired me there, they had worked together at NC State. And so uh, Coach Phillips gave me a chance. Uh, coach Pate was a, gave me a recommendation. Coach Portee gave me a recommendation. And I really appreciated that. So I felt like I had a great responsibility to do as much as I could because people who I looked up to and respected highly had put their name on me. And so when I got there, it was a, it was a tough situation because uh, Fayetteville State had not been uh, very successful over a period of time. Now, they've had their moments of success prior to Coach Phillips getting there, and, and, and nobody can dismiss that. They had some, some guys that went to the NFL. They had some successful seasons. But as you know, people look to see if you can put it back to back to back to back. And so they had struggled for a few years. Coach Phillips comes in there, and what I loved about Coach Phillips was he was, he was no nonsense but he handled his business, man, and he knew the game and he knew people. And so being around Coach Phillips, it was just like you absorbed, man. It was like a, it was a sponge. And, and so the first two years, man, it, it was a struggle. I mean, we finished 3-7 and seven the first year. The next year we went 6-4, and four, but you lost games that were close. I mean, you're losing 14-2, to two and you don't give up that many yards on um, defense, but you, you have two turnovers that the other team capitalize on, and that thing hurts, man. Or you, you're playing a game and you're winning for three and a half quarters. And, you know, I'm remembering this like it was yesterday, but it was great to teach us for what's going to happen the next year. And we lose a game because the guy blitzes from the outside, the quarterback's rolling out, and he dips underneath. The tackle pins him. The quarterback gets outside, throws a touchdown, and we wind up losing oh, like fourteen to eight, man. And you and you're like, this is late in the game, and you and you got to look at each other afterwards and say we were so close. But what it did was those group of guys, man, that were coming back the next year had made a commitment that these things weren't going to happen again. And so mm-hmm. you could tell the dynamic had changed. A lot of them they wound up staying in Fayetteville during the summer. I mean, they're like in somebody's apartment, and they're staying like eight deep 
You know, they're like guys going to summer school who had never really seemed like they cared about going to school, but it was like they all of a sudden they just bought in. And in 2002, we, we wound up going 10-2, and two. and the two teams that we lost to, one of them was uh, Catawba, and Catawba won their conference or at least did well enough, I think, that they were in the top two because they made the playoffs, and then we lost to Carson Newman in the playoffs. But everything else, those guys, man, it came together. And then it was a stretch where uh, three out of four years, uh, Fayetteville State, we were in the conference championship game, uh, won uh, two of them, and then we won another one in, like, '09. So you, you could, like, see the benefits of it. And uh, the thing that I tell people about perseverance with me at, at Fayetteville State was that, you know, Coach Phillips got let go. The next coach came in. Um, he kept me. I was grateful for that. And then the third time when they brought in the third coach in my in my time being there, he had an opportunity where he was he was gonna probably let me go, which I don't blame him. I mean, shoot, man, I'm I I never really knew him, and he didn't really know me, and and you know he's trying to come in and, and rebuild this thing, and you know it's like, well, why is this guy still here, and you know those type of things, but. But Coach Richard Hayes, man, I, I really appreciate him because he gave me a chance to stay around and, and, and prove my worth. And he and I, uh, we grew into a, a, what I call, it was a great, respectable friendship, man, because yeah, I'll tell you this, and I tell people all the time, man, that, you know, I was fortunate because I had um, applied for the job and interviewed, and I didn't get it. So, you know, most people aren't going to keep somebody that may have applied for the job. And so what um, – what Coach Hayes did was we sat down and talked. He talked with me. Uh, he retained me. Now, of course, I, I knew that, you know, it was probably going to be a short leash, and he wanted to see how things would work and things like that. But, you know, I was blessed. He kept me for four years, and, and he and I, it reached the point where, you know, we were talking outside of uh, just the, the work part. We keep in touch now, and we, we occasionally go golf together. And it grew, man, because what I learned is, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. I tell people all the time, don't get mad if somebody gets a job because all they did was if the job was open, he did what anybody else with common sense would do. He applied for the job. And at that moment, he was the better person for the job, and he did a heck of a job there. I mean, he came in and changed that program around and took them to three straight championships and things like that. So, you know, I can't sit here and say that that, that, that wasn't the person. No, because I watched it with my own eyes. But what I was blessed to do is, I came in there every day and I learned from him, you know, just like I learned from Coach Phillips, just like I learned from Coach Sheridan, Coach Pate, Coach Porte, Coach Green. I said, man, I'm I'm learning. Learn from Hal Stewart. And, you know, I'm like, I learned. You got, you got to be able to. And, and Coach Hayes taught me some great things, man. And and we had fun. I just hate that we didn't get a championship together before I left to come here. But you know, I tell people, man, sometimes we make things hard. You know, disappointment happens to everybody. It's going to happen. If you keep living, you're going to be disappointed. But it's not necessarily what happens to you, but it's how you respond to what happens to you. So once once I didn't get the job, bro, I was like, man, it's time to move in, settle in, and help this man be successful. And I hope and he knows that every day I came there, I gave him my very best because that's all we that's all we can do, Chris. I, I, I mean, I look at it this way, man, and I don't know where people are um, spiritually, but, you know, you, you try to let them know. But, but we get one life, man. We get one, you know, and, and because of that, you got to take it and make the best of it, and you got to understand, yeah, you're going to be disappointed sometimes. And uh, one thing I always like, this goes back to what Coach Odo taught us was, 
he said, we win with class and we lose with class. And that's how he felt, man. He was like, he was never a big rah-rah, jump up and down, act crazy kind of guy. Of course, you know Coach Sheridan wasn't like that either. But one thing Coach Odo taught us, man, he said, you know, I don't ever want people to be able to tell the difference between us winning and losing. And now we'd be happy and we'd go in the locker room and celebrate after we won, but he made us, when we went across that field to shake people's hands after a game, he expected us to have class and dignity, man. And when we gave quotes or comments in the paper, you always spoke highly of your opponent and the effort that they gave. Um, I would listen to him sometimes, man. We might beat somebody 40-something to nothing, and coaches picking out little things that they did well. And he said that all he knew was that's how he would want somebody to speak about his team if he was on the other side of that. He said, you know, that that thing meant a lot. So um, Coach Hayes, man, you know, for him to keep me, I'm always and and will be indebted and grateful to him because in this college profession, uh, contrary to what people want to believe, jobs are hard to come by, man, and mm-hmm. because they're hard to come by, uh, loyalty does go a long way. And I, and you're absolutely right, man. That goes a long way with what I learned from uh, from Coach Porti in this, man. you, you got to get in there and you got to immerse yourself in, and, and make that person be successful because when they're successful, we're successful. Contrary to what people want to believe, a head coach that knows the value of his staff will always give them the credit that they deserve. A head coach that knows He's got the right engines, and those cars will always give those kids the credit that they deserve. And uh, and that's why I feel like I've been fortunate to to have been groomed and, and been under people who understand the value of what the players and the assistants bring to your program. Okay, okay, all right. So after 20 years of longevity and loyalty, you're here. So talk about leaving behind 20 years and why you accepted accepted the opportunity at St. Augs, and why is it so special? Chris, um, I think what I want people to understand is the, the biggest thing about uh, coming to this place is that it is a great institution. It has a great history. Um, I tell people all the time that you've you got to do your research. Don't look in the moment. Don't look at a hiccup. You know, it's like if we judge ourselves, right, if we make a mistake and that one mistake should never define us, nobody would want to be defined by one mistake. So what I always tell people is you do your homework. Look at, look at this institution and look at the great people who have come out of here from being students, previous professors. I mean, there's college presidents now that graduated from here. There are great coaches and educators throughout the United States, the Eastern Seaboard, that have come from here. Uh, great. We ain't talking about to the athletes yet, man, where, you know, this, this, this place right here has put out some great Olympians. Uh, they've had NBA players. They've had NFL players. Um, St. Augustine has value, and not only in just that realm, but also we're talking about in, in science. Math. There's there's people that when you go down the list have done great things and have graduated from 1315 Oakwood Avenue. And so with that being said, the one thing that attracted me to it was they had never won a CIAA football championship here. And when I went to Fayetteville State in 2000, they had never won a CIAA championship in football. And I saw what Coach Phillips did there, and I saw how – 
the university rallied around one another because of the success that the football program had during that stretch in the 2000s. And so what my goal was is to come here and and give it something that it's never had before, which is a CIAA championship in football. And I think that everybody deserves the opportunity to see what it feels like to be at the top, man. I mean, you know, because it'll make you appreciate it when you're not there, okay? Mm-hmm. It'll make you appreciate it, and it makes you work harder to want to get back. And I think that that just sold me on it was the opportunity. Then, in the midst of all of that, you get here and you meet the kids, man, and you meet the people, the faculty, the staff that you work with every day. That small environment is a wonderful thing, man. I mean, we all pretty much know each other. Uh, before, you know, we got together to um, for you and I to do this podcast, we had um, afternoon chapel. We went over there. There was about 35 to 40 of us in there because um, we're getting ready wow. to start exams. And we just came in there, and what they did was um, we just had chapel. We wanted to, to, to pray for the students, man, as they're getting ready for exams. That's a beautiful thing, man, when you've got people whose hearts are thinking about the kids, that they, that they be relaxed. I mean, it was just beautiful things, that they be confident, that whatever they, they've learned this semester, it comes back to them because the COVID, the social injustice, unrest this past year and a half, it's put a lot of pressure mm-hmm. and a lot of strain on these kids, man. And, and I, I tell mine, no matter what, no matter how hard it may be in the moment, no matter how frustrated I may be with you at times, I have a lot of respect for these individuals because for them to be 18, 19 years old, and to go through what they've gone through the last year and a half where, you know, you had to spend a bunch of time in a room because you couldn't go out. You can't have a roommate because, you know, you, you got to be in the room. I, I would, man, I couldn't imagine not having a roommate, no. not having Wade no. Burton in my life, not having Rick Turner, who was my other roommate later on. You, you, you just can't, man, you know what I'm saying? It, it's, but these yeah. kids have had to deal with that. And then, then they got us all of a sudden, you're used to learning in class, and now it's flipped to remote learning. And you're like, okay, i got to log into a computer. I'm sitting in my room. I'm in front of a computer. And I commend these kids, man. I said, I know it hadn't been easy. But the fact that y'all got up every day and answered the bell says a lot about them. And that's why I say that this is a special place, like I was telling you, man, because all, all these kids really need is – to get the people on the outside to understand that they deserve all the opportunities that everybody else at other places may have received and get. And, and these kids, they don't, they don't take it lightly, man. A couple of weeks ago, it was uh, National Student Athlete Day, and we did a field day out there, and we just got back. Man, we was like, the sun is out. It's a warm day. We went back. We did a sack race. We, we did the uh, egg race. And these kids just had fun, man, and it was good to see that. Um, last week they did a movie on the lawn, and, you know, they come out there, they got their blankets, they got their little chairs and stuff, and it was just nice, man, because it, it's really been rough on them for the last year year or so, and they were able to finally start to experience some, some college life. And that's what you come to school for. You College is about social too, man, and I keep emphasizing that because this is how we learn to deal with people. This is how we learn to cope in stressful situations. You know, college teaches you a lot because sometimes you'll get a roommate, you don't even know that person, 
And now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you and this person in a short period of time in a confined space got to be able to get on the same page and deal with each other and, and get to know each other. And um, I think these kids have done an admirable job here, man. And I'm not just talking about the athletes, but I'm talking about the entire student body of um, these kids embracing a challenge, man. And I told some of mine that this challenge right here is going to prepare you for life. I said that's what, that's what football does. That's what college does. I said it's just a microcosm of what you're going to have to deal with at some point in life. Because I look at some of the disappointments that I went through at state as, as, a, as a student athlete, man, and, and not being what you would have liked to have been as far as what you envision yourself. But the one thing about it is those times I never thought about quitting because I, I love the people that were in my life at that moment. But the one thing it helped me with, Chris, was that unexpectedly three years later, my mom dies unexpectedly. And then all of a sudden, the phone calls, the guys who I went to school with, and I'm, here I am, 24 years old, and you lose your mom, but the guys who for four years were my heartbeat, man, who, who meant so much, those calls, man, it meant a lot. You know, uh, Mark Ladder driving from Atlanta up to Charlotte to see and sit with us, man, and be with me and my family when, when you know, all of a sudden this happens. Or you thinking about the fact that uh, Corey Edmonds, man, driving up from Tennessee, stopping by to check on me, man, you know, Coach Green giving me a call. Or when I went to my mom's uh, service and we get there, and Coach Odo, Coach Belt, Coach Healy, my high school coaches are standing on the wall, man, um, in a packed church to show and give support. I tell people, man, we don't know what these relationships mean to people until you get in those adverse situations. I, I don't need you to be my, my go-to in the good times. You know, it's nice to have you around, but when I think all hell is breaking loose, that's when I need people that I, I know can truly rally around and be there for me, man. And that's the kind of friend and the kind of person that I want to be for, for folks is that you know you got somebody that, hey, if we're in that corner, I got your back, you got my back, and we're going to get up out of this corner. Some way, somehow, we're getting up out of here. And um, being at this place, that's what I see, man. We got kids that want to fight every day. We got faculty and staff. We got a president who's a fighter. I mean, she believes that we can do and move mountains here, and I love that. So when you ask me the vision, the dream, I want to bring a championship here, but I don't want it to stop there. I want us to be a nationally respected program. I want to see facilities grow under my watch, and not just from a football perspective, but from all 12 sports. I want to be able to say that I was a small part in helping move St. Augustine's to the next level because it's already a great place. I just want to help make it even greater and that I be remembered for making certain things happen that were better than when I found it. And, and I think that's all you can do because eventually I'm going to have to pass it on to somebody. I can't fool myself and think that this is mine forever. I've just been given an opportunity to be the steward, and I want to be called a good steward over it. So that's what I look at. Okay. Okay. All right. So, Coach, and, and not to brag, but we I have a lot of listeners – who are in position to help you reach that vision. So tell them how they can help. Brother, this is what I'm looking at, and I, I love the fact that you've given us this um, opportunity in this format. we got several things that are going to be going on over the next couple of months. Uh, the biggest thing that we're excited about right now is we're getting ready to launch a, uh, a golf tournament 
to um, help with the whole athletic department. Uh, it's not going to be anything other than a good time. It's going to be June the 18th, and we're going to uh, come down here in Raleigh at Headingham uh, Golf Course, and we're going to play. We're going to eat. We're going to have some raffles. We're going to have prizes. Uh, we're going to have a good time, and that's going to be June the 18th. And, and what I appreciate about that is, Chris, that as soon as you saw and heard something about it, you reached out and you were like, look, brother, um, however I can be an advocate for you guys, let's do it. And I appreciate you for, for doing that because that's, that's why I tell people these relationships are important. Um, but you can go to the St. Augustine's website, the athletic website, and it has the information on there about the golf tournament. But if that's not something that you want to do, we have some – some goals that we want to do as far as, one, we want to do some renovations uh, to the George Williams Complex. Um, we were looking for people who might be interested in that. Uh, Emory Gymnasium, we want to renovate the, um, the men's and women's locker rooms and, and update those. Uh, we're looking for people to want to assist with that. And then we're also, uh, we have some, some outdoor courts that we want to take and, and, and get those things repaved so we can use it for different things. So we got a lot of things that um, we put out as, as uh, short-term, long-term type goals. Uh, my office number is uh, 919-516-4250. Uh, Again, that's 910-516-4250. Uh, email is dbowser, and that's B-O-W-S-E-R, and it's at st hyphen aug dot edu. Uh, that's my email address, and I would love to collaborate, build some partnerships with people who who want to help young kids live their dream. And everybody has to be honest that we've all had somebody assist us along the way. And uh, our athletic department, I got a, a great group of people that I work with. Uh, I got a wonderful president. We would just love. To, to find some partners out there who want to help uh, an institution continue to grow and mold young people. And I, and I would appreciate any support. Um, nothing is too small. Nothing is, is, is ever going to be frowned upon because what I do know is that every little part, if it's given with a good heart, can help you grow. And I, and I believe that truly, that anybody, if you give it with the right heart, it's going to be okay, and it's going to meet the needs that we have. So I appreciate you uh, opening up your your um, podcast to us and, and helping us lay this foundation. Not, not a problem. So fundraising listeners, I don't care where you're from, please donate to the St. Augs program. If you're near, maybe you can volunteer or you could come out and help. If you can't get here, maybe you can send a check and help St. Augs reach their goals and, like, Coach David Bowser said, every little bit helps, and every person counts. So we need all of you. So great message. So I, I, all right, I want to go back to this. So it's the inaugural St. Augs golf outing and fundraiser. Yes, yes. So talk a little bit about, about that weekend. I, I know you have things, not only is the golfing on the 18th, but you have some other things happening that weekend. So talk yes. about that. Yes. Okay, so it's National Alumni Weekend as well, and um, they're going to have a, a party. It may be virtual, depending on how we're doing in COVID, because the, the governor, has, um, North Carolina's talking about he may open it up uh, June 1st. So with it being, we're looking at having possibly a, uh, a white party, 
uh, where people just um, we're going to be able to get out there virtually, and uh, that information is on the website as well. Um, you know, and for most people, as you know, that's Juneteenth weekend, so everybody's excited. We may are looking at some type of things to do on that Thursday evening. We have a a meeting on Monday. Uh, with the committee, and they're looking at some more things. But it's our National Alumni Weekend, and we're just excited, um, Chris, to to add to it. And we stuck the golf tournament in the middle of it. And as more things are added, um, if you go to the website or if you reach out to myself, uh, we'll be able to tell you about it. But we are really um, excited, man, at, at, at the progress that, that St. Augustine's is going to be making. By We want to connect with the community. We want to connect with the state. Amen. Eventually, and and it can happen thanks to you. Possibly, we can connect throughout this country. That we want to meet people who really, once again, the biggest thing is investing in these kids, man. Investing in these kids because they are worth it, and uh, and I'm excited about it. So as we add information, I'll get it to you so you can continue to push it out for us. And I just appreciate the fact that you were willing to use your venue to help St. Augustine's, man. That's really big. It's, it's you know it's it's personal. So you're a great friend, so I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem. Plus, the opportunity to help the kids that attend St. Augs, that's special to me. Like, if I could do more, I would. So maybe what well, we need to do is challenge some of the St. Augs alums or the local companies to write a check because the Falcons yes. are ready to soar, but they definitely <laughs> need everyone's support. So, yes, sir, we do. I mean, yeah, that's all right, and so before we wrap this up, why is St. Augs the place to be right now? Chris, St. Augs is the place to be because if you ever, ever want to be a part of something, I tell people it's great to to be somewhere and jump on and be a part of the success, but it's just something about being the first. It's just something about it, and and I and I tell people that with what we want to do here, you got an opportunity to come in, and you can be a viable player in something that will be remembered. Your legacy can be uh, refined by it. You can be remembered for helping St. Augustine's move to a whole other level. And we're gonna do it, and we would love for people out here in the community far and wide to help be a part of it because it's going to happen. Uh, the vision is laid out that we want to be uh, an, an institution that is helping move the needle, not just in Raleigh, but throughout the United States and this global world that we live in now. You know, technology has changed the game. We're global now. So we want our people, our students to have opportunities to impact the entire world. And the thing that we know, though, is it starts on 1315 Oakwood Avenue. Everything starts with a seed. Everything starts with a dream. Everything starts with a goal. And that's what we, we're looking for. We're looking for people who can visualize with us St. Augustine's moving into the 21st at another level, at warp speed, not at a slow pace, but we want to make sure that we're moving in a direction that people will look back and say, man, they've moved the needle throughout this world. And that's what we're looking to do, bro. Okay. All right. All right. The final shameless plug. I need you to brag one more time on yourself, the university, plug your social media, and also your upcoming camps and your golf outing again. Got you, bro. Okay. So that's a lot. 
and I'm, but I just want to say, uh, <laughs> David Bowser, man, is just so excited to be a part of uh, St. Augustine's University. Uh, we've got a seven-on-seven um, football camp coming up on June the 25th. Uh, the information is on the website. We have a prospect camp and tryout camp that's going to be on June the 28th. Um, in the week of June 15th through the 18th, our women's basketball team is going to be putting on a camp. Um, that's on the website. And then on May the 8th and June the 19th, our men's basketball will also be putting on a camp. And then our other sports are in the process of getting theirs together. But if you go to the athletic website, uh, you'll find it on there. Uh, just Google uh, St. Augustine's University Athletics, and you'll see that. Uh, the golf tournament is going to be June the 18th. Uh, we'll be kicking off our football season on September the 4th at home. It'll be the first time. I, I'm excited about that after going through one year of us not having a game. But the good thing about it, though, Chris, I'm still undefeated, so I like that. I hadn't, don't have a loss to <laughs> my name, so I, I'm, I'm good with that. But, you know, we'll be opening up on September the 4th against Tusculum, which is out of Tennessee, and they just won um, the uh, SAC Conference uh, Championship. They beat Lenore Ryan which that was pretty big in, in their spring season. Uh, of course, we, we stayed away from the spring. Uh, we're going to get it going in the fall. Our conference um, deferred not to, um, to play that, that way in the spring, but we're excited about those things. Our volleyball team, we just got a, a new volleyball coach within the last year, Mr. Carl Moxie, uh, outstanding coach. She's done a great job of gelling her team together. Our, her schedule will be posted soon. Um, Mr. Anthony Jeffries, is our SID Sports Information Director. I believe uh, you guys talked yes. um, yesterday a little bit. Uh, does an outstanding job. If you get on the website and you want to get some things communicated to you about St. Augustine's, Mr. Jeffries will get it to you, and he'll get it to you in a timely fashion. Uh, we, we're just excited, man. I think that the university, we got commencements coming up on May 1st. We're going to be doing it in the stadium uh, for the first time. They used to always have done it on the lawn. But because of COVID, they're going to try something different this year and do it in the stadium on May the 1st. Nice. Uh, we're excited about that. I mean, it's just a lot going on, man. And as we start to open back up and, and, and work our way through this COVID, uh, we would love anybody that wants to partner with St. Augustine's, uh, reach out to us and, and, and let's make it happen, man, and, and, w and watch us soar. I like that you said that. I'm going to steal that from you, bro. So we're going we're gonna to watch the Falcons soar. I like that. Love it, love it. All right, Coach David Bowser, this has been special. And you know what? So special that I don't think that one podcast will, will do justice for what you're trying to do. So here's what I propose to you. Yes, sir. Every Friday for the next eight weeks, wow. I'm going to highlight somebody from St. Augs, whether it's the, their greatness, but we're going to try to raise some funds for your university. What do you think about that? I love it, man, and that's that's what that's what a brother does, man. And I appreciate you so much. See, I appreciate that, man. That that it means a lot because really, um, that's what we need. We just need somebody to to be an advocate to help get our message out. And once our message gets out, people will see that we're worth partnering with, and they'll be excited about it. So I thank you for thinking about us on this level, man. That's big. Matter of fact, we'd yeah. love for you to come on out to the golf tournament then. 
You will definitely see me out there tearing up Headingham Golf Course. (laughs) I might not play well, but I can tear some stuff up. There you go. I just wear long pants because I spend all my time over in the bushes and the weeds and the trees, so I wear long pants, man. I don't want to get any scratches on my legs. Uh, I love it. All right. Well, Coach David Bowser, thank you again. I wish you continued success. And thank you once again for coming on the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. All right, brother. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you, man. Love you, baby.